This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student wellbeing, character development and academic improvement. Welcome to the Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Corr. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiration Project podcast, where we get a chance to talk to Christians who are living lives of significance and being true to their faith and their calling in the midst of finding a way to uh, contribute to the broad society. I'm personally delighted to be having a conversation today with Mike Baird. Mike will be well known to to many of you. Uh, His name, his family name is well known, but primarily through his service as the 44th Premier of New South Wales. Mike actually completed his secondary schooling at the King's School before going on to study at the Sydney University, completing a Bachelor of Arts in Economics and Government. He's also studied at Regent College in Vancouver, Canada. He undertook a career as an investment banker before moving into politics as the member for Manly in 2007 in New South Wales Parliament. Having served in various roles in that organisation, including Shadow Treasurer, Treasurer, Minister for Western Sydney, Minister for Infrastructure. He became Premier in 2014. Rather unexpectedly, he announced his resignation from that position and stepped down in February of 2017. And Mike now serves as CEO of Hammond Care, an organisation that is committed to providing health and welfare for uh, students and, and aged people in need. Mike, it's a, it's a personal Privileged to talk with you. I, I have uh, long admired the extent and the quality of your public service, and I'm personally thrilled to get a chance to talk a bit about that. Welcome to the the podcast. Oh no, no, thank you, Brendan. It's a pleasure to be here and a privilege to be here. So um, I know you've spoken to some amazing Australians, so um, to have a chance to share with you is, uh, is special. So thank you. Really appreciate your investment of time. We can only imagine what it must be. Well, how busy life must be as you step into this this area of active service. Perhaps you, you might, before we dig into some of your your history, tell us a bit about your your current role, CEO of of Hammond Care. What does that involve? What is Hammond Care doing as an organisation? Yeah, look, uh, Hammond Care is uh, incredible. That's a, that's about the only word I can come up with to try and do it in one. It's uh, an organisation with proud history. Bob Hammond uh, was a man, Anglican minister, St Barnabas, who saw in the Great Depression homelessness um, in, in every corner, decided to do something about it, cashed in his super of the day, which was an insurance policy, uh, bought some land out near Liverpool, um, got some donated materials and volunteer labour and uh, put 100 people uh, into homes. And uh, that has been the start of an organisation that is focused very much on improving the quality of life of people in need. Um, obviously, in time, that group started to age and there was effectively the first aged care facility put together out at Hammondville, which is there today. Um, so they focus in on um, today a complex dementia. And mm-hmm. care will take people that others wait or can't. Uh, it also has uh, home care service, palliative care facilities and... Um, it uh, does dementia research and dementia consultants across the country. So, you know, each day there's a, I've never seen an organisation as engaged in its mission 
Um, mm. But there isn't a day, I don't think, where I haven't been inspired by you know, the work. Um, people's lives have changed every day on the back of hands, skills mm. and experiences of uh, Hammond Care employees. And yeah, it's a very special place. Yeah, I, I had no idea that Hammondville as a suburb was associated with such a strong history and, and a, mm. a figure of such public service. That, that's very interesting. Yeah, and Arthur's taste. You know, the eternity man was um, yeah. was a resident out there. Yeah. So there, there, there is a there's a rich part of Sydney's history, Australia's history that that started with uh, the compassion and generosity of a single man, uh, a, a minister um, at St Barnabas, Bob Hammond. Some of our listeners may not be familiar with the the story of the eternity script that appeared yep. mysteriously overnight in our cities. Can you unpack it a little bit for? Those that, that aren't familiar? Yeah, I mean, obviously he was a um, prominent Christian that decided uh, his way to minister um, was to remind the world that they needed to think about eternity and where they would spend it. And so he used to go out at night, catch the train in and um, sort of write on footpaths and um, sort of walls and uh, kind of all over the city eternity. And it started discussions and thinking um, uh, all to the point, you might remember there was one... Um, New Year's Eve, which is only a few years ago, that actually had uh, eternity on it. And it was a reflection and acknowledgement of um, someone that played a key role in the city. And, mm. um, you know, unknowing to, to many, you know, he really was asking the pertinent question, you know, where are you going for eternity? Mm. You know, are you sure about it? If you don't, should you consider it? Um, so obviously he was pointed to Jesus through that. Indeed. We'll visit some of those aspects of faith and how it happens in mm-hmm. your own life. But there, it, he was known for that beautiful copper plate script, wasn't it, that became yeah. characteristic and the the standpoint of that. Mike, you, you made a reference in the, the quote about um, Reverend Hammond and the start of Hammond Care that he saw something and decided to do something about it. Mm. And it struck me as you used that phrase to describe that uh, servant of the Lord that it's it's a bit of a theme for what I hope we might talk about this afternoon, the way in which your own expression of commitment to seeing need and doing something about it in the way that you're able to. Hmm. Did you always have that sense of public service, Mike? You've you've demonstrated clearly the the commitment in several different areas of your service. In fact, your family has demonstrated through your dad and through your siblings. Was that something that you learned at your father's knee? Was it something that came through faith, your schooling? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, I would say combination of all, all of those. Um, you know, my, my mum was a, an incredible uh, woman and um, all the siblings, you know, my father will kind of point to her and her role modelling. Uh, very talented, very humble um, but uh, very giving. And she, um, as an example, saw and became aware of these orphans that, that lived on the tips in Cairo. And, you know, rather than being impacted by it, which she was um, impacted, but then she acted. And mm. so she went and visited Mother Maggie over in Cairo. She saw the work she was doing and she became an advocate down here and sort of raised funds, um, a network of support and you know there are 30,000 orphans mm. in uh, Cairo today that have some form of accommodation some form of schooling some form of medical support 
um, yeah, a small part to, to, to my mum's support, but, you know, a need mm. and um, did something about it. And, you know, I think that was always mum's approach. She spent uh, years um, going to prisons mm. and um, talking about redemption and agape love um, through Kairos. Some, some of your listeners may know Kairos and you know, they, they do a ministry into prison. And so she did that, but she didn't just go to the mission. She would then go back for not days or weeks or months, but years mm. and would visit these prisoners and uh, continue to remind them and care for them, engage with them and love them. So, uh, you know, that sort of role modelling is hard not to respond to. And, you know, my father in public life had a, a lot to do with refugees and visited every single refugee camp and took some very unpopular and tough stands in terms of um, how we had to do much more to protect them and care for them. Um, so I think that, that that sort of role modelling is important. And, uh, mm. you know, I think if you, in reading the gospel, it's it's clear, you know, the, the good Samaritan, you know, mm. didn't keep walking. You know, the good, good Samaritan uh, saw a need on the side of the road and put everything aside to, to act and respond to that. And so I think we're called to that as well. But, um, yeah, faith, you know, role modelling appearance, uh, I think they all played a role. All come together. Without being... Uh caricaturing anything, Mike, the experience you had at, at one of the best schools in the country, one of the most prestigious schools in the country, mm. might have given you a very different perspective on, on life and on aspirations and on how you were to use your opportunities and talents. Your, you, you made decisions not to, uh, not to indulge those opportunities but to use them in service. Was that was that a wrestle for you or did it just become the expression of your convictions? Well, I mean, coming, um, I, I, I didn't wrestle with much at school. <laughs> it was more about getting through the day and the week. Uh, I love sport. I focused in on that. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's confronting at times because there are incredible resources at that school and um, there were some amazing teachers that had an impact on me, no doubt about it. Um, but I went back to speak there, I don't know, 10-ish years ago. And um, the thing that stuck with me was, uh, you know, you have um, an elite opportunity, mm. um, but you're not elite. Mm. You, you, are, you are no different to anyone, yes. you know, whether, whether it be a child in downtown Tanzania um, or sitting here in these incredible confines, not one of you is more important than the other. Mm. There is deep value in every person. Um, and you just happen to have this unbelievable opportunity. And I think that's uh, that was probably missing, you know, mm. when I was at school, as I reflected on it. We were reminded that we were going to be the leaders of everything, um, and and many were and are and have been. Um, but you can't forget the... Mm. the character side of that and you know just because you have that privilege doesn't make you any more important just because i'm a ceo of hammond care uh right now while i'm talking to you i've got dozens and dozens of care workers in specialist dementia cottages doing the most incredible hard difficult wonderful work um it's significant they're significant mm. i am no more significant than they Mm. Um, I just happen to have had the experiences and opportunities that they mightn't have. I can bring different things to try and help their hands. Uh, but as we both stand, um, 
you know, we have value, deep value. And, and I think that's um, always kind of stuck with me. And, and, and through, a, through a life sense, I um, had that wrestle. How do, you, how do you use what you have, school, mm. background, experiences, mm. how do you contribute? And early in life, I really wrestled with that. It was a it was a torturous existence. Um, I was in investment banking. Amazingly talented people, uh, incredibly interesting work. You know, dynamic, um, soul destroying, um, sort of all in kind of moments. But uh, I did have a wrestle. Is this the best way to live my faith? Can I make a different or a more impactful contribution to my community, state, and country? And and how did that look? So I, I wrestled with that for many years um, early on in my career. It, it follows on. I, I hear what you're saying because, the again, at the risk of caricaturing careers, et cetera, investment banking is has that reputation for high stakes, high reward, live fast, play hard yeah. lifestyle that, that is um, not necessarily known for looking out for the little people and making no. a in a positive <laughs> way. And so the movement from from uh, a household of faith to a career in, in that high-stakes um, life career to public service, the, the transition of that is an interesting one. Yeah, you wouldn't call it linear. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it wasn't, but it was – but. Part of it, as as I as I had that wrestle, and and um, I, I was married, you know, by that stage with with Karen, and um, you know, she's kind of always been my soulmate uh, on the journey, and we talk about it, and you know, often we leave work, yeah, you know, when we could, and kind of rush back and lead Bible studies or you know, youth groups or take kids away, um, you know, trying to kind of shape them and help them to understand the gospel, but. Um, it ultimately came down to, to a, a moment where I was at a breakfast and I'd been thinking about maybe a way I could do this is to become a, a minister, a church minister. Yeah, and right. so I can look after others and um, kind of lead a congregation in a way that can impact community and potentially state and country. And, but, um, I, and I was at a breakfast and, and there was a challenge. Uh, it was the Christian sort of prayer breakfast and... Um, you know, added, I just, it was almost a thunderclap. I said, that's it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to Bible college. And I'd looked at some Bible colleges. I looked at region. And as I grabbed Karen's hand and we left the breakfast, I said to her, we're going to Regent. I'm going to become a minister. I'll see you tonight. <laughs> 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 and, there's something to unpack in that conversation, but. <laughs> A lot to unpack, and and uh, consultation, uh, more consultation was required. Clearly, um, but you know that was that was part of the journey. So my sense uh, was that's how I thought I could have more of an impact. And mm. you know, I told uh, Deutsche Bank where I was at. Uh, it made for an interesting Monday morning whip meeting because uh, you normally you want to go around the, the room and kind of share the transactions and where they're up to and the statuses. And and I said, um, you know. By the way, I'm going to Bible college at uh, Regent, and it was <laughs> wasn't it wasn't expected. But uh, you know, it it doesn't detract. Like I strongly believe we need to, we need Christians in investment banking. There are some amazing Christian men and women yeah. um, that, that have made a massive 
in terms of integrity and culture and values and um, had an impact on many sort of companies and thousands of employees in, in a way that's quite profound. But for me, that was that that, that really was a burr, a burr and, um, mm. you know, I, so I went to Regent and uh, at Regent um, is where I sat down and sort of wrote my life story. And if you haven't done this, mm. it's, it's quite amazing. Like talk about your journey of faith, where, where you've come from, uh, what has brought you to this point and where you're going to go on the, mm. on the life journey. And as I did that, I wrote it down and it was cathartic. I loved it. And, you know, my end conclusion was that I look forward to um, serving, you know, as a minister of a flock and sort of faithfully um, uh, caring for them in, in, a, in a way that um, we're taught, you know, in, uh, in Scripture. And the lecturer then put next to it, um, you know, or maybe <laughs> maybe in Australian politics, question mark. And um, that was the moment that uh, I hadn't sort of thought of politics. My father had been in politics, but I'd run a million miles on it. I'd obviously reference it in my paper. Um, I think words to, the, to that effect. Um, but it's, well, hang on, well, could you make a difference in politics? Is that something I've discounted that maybe I should think about it, you know, through the rest of that year? Um, that come, became the journey. Yeah. Regent is renowned for that provocation, isn't it, of of encouraging Christians to recognise full-time Christian service through a vocation, through making a definite contribution to the social structure. Totally. So, which I want to come back to, um, to Mike, and explore okay. that with you. But part of that story that you wrote out at, at Regent, that, that story mm-hmm. of your life, must have included the moment when obviously you were part of a family of faith and you've spoken about that role modelling of, service and godliness it must have been a point when you knew this was not just family it was it was your faith can you share that experience with us as in when i came to faith or as as part of this when you came to faith at what point teenage yeah yeah no so yeah the traditional story dragged along to sunday school um materially unhappy for most of it um until about year nine when I noticed that there were girls there as well from adjoining school. So that, that became of interest and I became a regular attender, as it turned out. Um, and I joined a Bible study group, faithful, faithful guy that used to pick five of us up and uh, one by one, all in the car, have a Bible study at someone's house and he'd drop us all, all off and then head back home. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a, a night that we didn't necessarily have to do much homework and had a lot of fun together. Um, you know, tried to lead a Bible say we didn't pay much attention, but, um, about a year in, one of the guys, um, Bush Beast was his name. Jeff was his real name. And, um, we were, we were away. He, he took us away camping and, and surfing and we're up at Crescent Head for those who know Crescent Head and, uh, Right at the end of the, the caravan park, there, was, there used to be, I, I think there's vans there now, there used to be a spot that you could get a great sort of tent and be right on the point and, and look out. And so three of us in a two-man tent, and um, <laughs> it, it was it was really windy. And um, as we were going to sleep, you know, Jeff said, you know, Mike and Mike, there were two mics, and he said, I just have to tell you, do you know, do you know how much... Jesus loves you. Mm. And uh, I'll never forget the look, mm. you know, or the way he did it. And we said, yeah, 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 Jeff, got it. All good. All good. Um, 
And, 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 he, and he said, no, no, no. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? And it kind of stopped us in our tracks and um, didn't respond then, but over the, the next few weeks and months, I actually started to pay attention uh, mm. to the talks, to the Bible studies, and uh, by the time I got to the end of year 12, there's a camp and I, I was ready. You know, mm. I was ready to give, to give my life to Jesus. I understood mm. his sacrifice, you know, for my sins and that I was going uh, with him uh, for eternity. And uh, I shared that around a campfire and haven't looked back. That is a fantastic story. And what a testament to those what might seem insignificant experiences of picking somebody up, making a Bible study, sharing the good news of the love of God. Yeah. Four years is quite a quite a time to process that, Mike, the, the beginnings of those stirrings and the resolution. Yeah. Four years later in year 12. You must have been, you must have had time to really think things through, to really assess and understand what it was that you were doing when you committed to Jesus. Yeah, I, I was, I, I mean, I've always been um, emotional. Like I'm, I kind of connect in. Uh, on, a, on an emotional level, um, I would say, although my wife says I am a bit repressed at times, so that's that that, that is something. But uh, I, I I like that, and I won't accept anything unless there's substance or reason. And um, and there, there was some compelling. I, I remember, uh, you know, there were talks given, you know, on the. Um, the veracity of Christian history, the number that saw um, Jesus who was resurrected, um, you know, the impact of his uh, words at times, um, you know, it became a compelling proposition. And I saw people, mm. there was one particular um, person I saw, his name was John Ridgway, he's a missionary that went to um, India, and he came back and he talked to the church and he came and talked to the youth group and I remember just be so amazed that he was just this kind, gregarious, talented, faithful man that just, mm. he was so convinced that he just gave up everything and uh, went to become a, a missionary in India. And that that commitment, seeing that in action and hearing his story, you know, that's, you know, undoubtedly one of the jigsaw pieces on that journey. But, yeah, mm. it wasn't... Um, it wasn't just something that uh, I had to tick the box on or, you know, join the crowd. Um, I've never done that. I've, I've nor, nor just give intellectual assent to the truths of it. it you, no. know, you describe something that's an emotional thing, which, which speaks to that intimate relationship that you entered or yeah. had deepened. Yeah, and it, and it was deeply personal and, um, you know, all parts of the being, you know. Mm. Mind, spirit, body, all mm. um, felt connected. Later on, I, I hope to touch that. What has that meant for you to have that personal mm-hmm. sense of identity as a as a a Christian connected with with the Spirit of God, and how you manifest that in your public life? But let, let's go back to that story, Regent College, the provocation of your yeah. marker, maybe Australian politics, and sowing that sort of a seed. You find yourself, 2007, elected into the New South Wales Parliament with the intent, clearly with the intent of doing good, of making a positive impact. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder whether or not you have had reflections or at the time you had reflections on what is the role of of government itself? Is, is government something that is necessary, an unfortunate necessity? Is it something that is intrinsic to the way society works? The whole world of politics, how do you... How do you see that? How do you conceive that in in the sense of the way we do community? I mean, it's incredibly important, and it's you know in in the Bible, it's it's clear we're su- there to support our governments, you know, mm. and its and its leaders. Um, and uh, you know, I think um, there is vilification of governments. Um, there is um, you know uh, blaming governments for you know the ills of many or others mm. or a particular issue but it's incredibly important mm. it's influential it's impactful it's one of the the key institutions and you know our role as christians is to support um mm. we've just had a new minister come into our church and he's connecting into the local leaders and you know uh, it doesn't matter what political badge or if they don't have a political badge it's you know who they are as people mm. you know how we can support them as leaders um, but also, you know, encourage them that, that our church is there to support, you know, mm. if they're victims of domestic violence, if those that need sort of clothes or food or visiting, um, there's natural disasters, um, you know, call on us to participate. And, you know, in government, you respond to all of those things. You suppose you respond to social challenges, you respond to daily life challenges, to um, health, to security um, uh, to education, mm. I mean, every kind of facet of life mm. is kind of impacted and influenced. So, having good government uh, with good leaders is uh, an incredibly uh, important part of society. So, you know, to have the chance to participate in that, it was it was clear in my mind. Like, how do I go there in a faithful way? Um, sort of reflecting my faith, living my mm. faith, um, but how do I use skills and experiences I have for, for the betterment of others, mm. you know, community, state and country? And, um, you know, obviously I had a banking background as I, as I went in. So, you know, how can I use that in a finance context and how can I connect in on a social context? And um, So, yeah, I think it's um, something that we underestimate and, you know, and I would say that... Um, churches more broadly don't engage enough you know mm. in supporting and encouraging sort of those to go in mm. and and supporting those that are in there you're currently leading a independent private organization that is also committed to doing good and making a difference mm-hmm. has that given you any points of contrast between what public service is and the organizations that are private independent and their potential for Doing good, affecting change. No, and I think I, I think we uh, don't wrestle enough with this as churches, and and I I strongly believe um, you know one of the beauties is that in our congregation we have people doing all types of things, and you know it's it is one of the things you looked at region. How do, how do you live your faith? Mm. Uh, working in one of the major retailers, what does that mean? Working in in our major banks, working in our major construction companies. Um, you know, I saw talks on, you know, God being a garden, 
this mm. incredible passion and interest in gardening. So, you know, those that are in landscaping and gardening, how do you bring mm. that to life? Mm. And, and, and often, I mean, well, God is there and amongst it and has given design and principles and approaches, but we're just not getting in on it. Eugene Peterson challenged me with that. You know, how do you get in on what God is doing? Yeah. And, and most spiritual formation for Christians takes place in the workplace. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of remiss not to connect faith, you know, and your work. Yeah. And, and, you know, those that kind of Christians on the Sundays and disconnected, you know, I'm just doing work, uh, they're missing everything, the wonder and the mystery yeah. and, and the opportunity to, to shape and impact with your faith um, and obviously uh, influence and impact others um, through whatever role you have. So w- whether it's in politics or whether it be in the organisation, both different, yeah. uh, but both have impacts and potential impacts, as did my time, you know, in banking. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, there are a way you treat customers. Um, there are things that you, you don't need royal commissions to do and mm. um, shine a light on. You know, are there practices that should have been done? You know, if if people of faith had been leading, or people mm. of um, uh, Christian leaders have been having inputs and in, inputs on some of those decisions, could, could there have been different outcomes, better outcomes for mm. customers and community and state and country? So, yeah, to me, there's a there's an energy that comes um, that your faith can be applied uh, in so many different ways. Mm. I wonder, Mike, whether you've noticed a shift or a change in the nature of government over over the course of history as you reflected in what it is that governments are asked to do and the the um, the apparent shift towards rather than encouraging encouraging virtue or encouraging uh, right right actions from the the citizenry, it's shifted a little more towards establishing the freedoms that people need to enjoy. Have you observed that in any of the, I guess I'm looking at lawmaking, the nature of lawmaking that yeah, that parameters for relationships in a community. That, um, <laughs> that's a big question. And um, I would uh, need to go, go back to my history teacher to, to run through that. Um, mm. Uh, look, I, I think, um, uh, you know, as, as, as I look at um, government, I mean, there is a natural um, resistance um, to impingement on freedoms and choice and, um, you know, being told that this is what we must or mustn't do. There's, there's undoubtedly that. Um, but I don't know whether that's a government thing. Mm. I, I don't know whether that's a societal thing. Uh, social media is undoubtedly, you know, having a very, very significant impact uh, on culture and values, mm. um, but also government. Mm. The, the, well, I can tell you the impact of social media on government is is huge. Mm. Um, so, so is that a good thing, Mike? Is that a democratising of, of communication, of power that... Like, like anything, it can be unbelievably positive, um, but it can also be very destructive. Um, mm. You know, there's, there wouldn't be a politician out there um, who was telling the truth, um, <laughs> if they were telling the truth, that is, um, would say that social media 
call it 10 years ago to today, mm. uh, has hurt them, damaged them, impacted them in, in ways they'd probably not prefer to talk about. Mm. Um, because it's, it's personal and visceral. I couldn't repeat some of the things that were said when I was there, and you'd, you'd have mechanisms to do it. Um, there's also the power of that to um, stop government trying mm. to sort of look after. I mean, you, you want your health system to be the strongest and the best it can. I mean, that's a noble thing. All governments should be trying to do that, that have the responsibility. But if you uh, have three or four issues that people aren't happy with, well, the reporters, the, the, you know, the supporters, the individual issues can coalesce very quickly with significant numbers um, and, um, you know, have an impact in policymaking mm. uh, and slow down mm. sort of governments and, and people. So you've got the personal, you've got the policy side, but there's also great things. I mean, you become aware of issues that you'd have no idea. Mm. You know? And there, there were personal stories that came to me through social media that, you know, I never would have known about and going to investigate them as treasurer, mm. seeing them firsthand and having a chance to influence and shape policy on the results. So like anything, mm. you know, there is, there is good and bad. Yeah. It comes back to that, that quote. I can't remember who it was. Maybe GK Chesterton spoke about the divide between good and evil isn't out there. It runs right through the centre of everything we do and, and yeah. our hearts and our own motives. Totally. And we stress with that. So, Mike, you you have rendered fantastic service, wonderful service in that sphere of of um, public activity, public life, leadership through different mechanisms of government. To what degree, as a Christian, did you feel that your your government, your your legal institutions, needed to be Christian? Or, or is that a wrong way of viewing things? Is it not yeah. the government that should be Christian per se? How would you describe that tension? Well, it, I mean, to me, it was clear. I was, I was quite clear. So, I mean, I, I was obviously a Christian of faith, but that's that's me. Um, my my role is not to legislate my faith. Mm. You know, my 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 role is to govern for all. Mm. Our, how I responded and reacted obviously were influenced at times by being a Christian. Um, you know, after the um, the Lynn Cafe siege, mm. I was uh, hugely impacted and, um, you know, indeed um, really personally impacted um, for many years. Mm. Um, but in that response, it was clear to me that the, you know, the media reaction um, is to, care for those that, that lost loved ones, to, to, to care for the hostages, um, to care for the Muslim community, mm. um, to, uh, you know, connect in and um, mm. try and pastor a city that, that was yeah. in the midst of just something so horrific and so horrendous and that's it, happened right in the heart of our city and, and state and country. Um, so, you know, how faith... You know, that was me in a, in a personal response, but undoubtedly faith, it kind of shaped me, you know, yeah. role modelling, you know, that I saw through my mum. Yeah. Been inspired through scripture to to care and yeah. to love and to try and encourage to focus on kind of unity and grace mm. and love, you know, not, not anger and hate and retribution. Mm. Um, so that, you know, that's just a, 
I guess one example on that, it's kind of flows out into a broad public sort of context. But, you know, I am very clear. Some of the most significant criticisms I got because I would, um, you know, participate in Eid, um, you know, with, with the Muslim community. And mm. you know, sometimes I would, you know, fasting is a big part of that for them. So, you know, I would fast, you know, as, as a Christian. And when I'd go and speak at events, I would talk about that and say that we have in common. And, you know, they, they're focusing on good deeds and, you know, prosperity. And I'd say, look, you know, for us, it's, it's about praying and mm. uh, yeah, we're praying for others. Mm. Uh, we're trying to draw closer to, to our understanding of God. And, and, and I would share that in a, in a personal way. Now, some Christians found that very, very difficult mm. um, because, you know, we've got to take a very strong stance against, you know, the Muslim community and the Muslim faith. Um, but in the concepts of governing for all, yeah. um, trying to care and um, connect, uh, you know, I sort of saw sort of that pathway. So mm. th- there are different ways, but I was always clear that it, it was not a what is the Christian policy outcome? Yeah. It is, yeah. What is the policy for all? And and obviously part of that input is, you know, who I am and kind of what I believe. And then it goes into a cabinet discussion before legislation comes yeah. comes out. And it's an input, yeah, um, not not a determinant. So what what I what I think I'm hearing there, Mike, is that your your commitment to Christian faith and to Christian ideals and biblical truth and understanding how the world works from a point of revelation, biblical revelation, that that was the the seedbed from which good policy, good ideas, good initiatives could be evaluated as being intrinsically good, even if they weren't expressly the manifestation of a faith perspective. And it was sort of living out the Jeremiah principle of seek the welfare of the city, you know, well, well in whatever way you can. Yeah. Build strength, build capacity, build goodness, build beauty. Those, those uh, unifying values that totally. that we know yeah. speak to our humanity as much as to our to our faith. Yeah, and yeah. So, like, it's um, you know, I mean, U.S. politics is kind of headed more, you know, towards the, you know, here is the the Christian wish list on which we must legislate. I don't think that's that's helpful. I mean, mm. in our part, you know, what is needed for the state, what is needed for the country, mm. what is the best possible policy we can pursue. Mm. Now, as part of that, there will be social issues. Um, but that's where I think the conscience fight is incredibly mm. important. You know, that's where you kind of bring, you know, your personal self mm. um, on a single decision and you vote with your conscience. And mm. as, as distinct from you know, this is government policy and this is what we need. So, yes, it influences, as I said, but it's not the determinant. And, you know, the determinant is kind of governing for all and how do we, you know, deliver the best policy for the majority. Mm. Yeah, that's good. You had a reputation in your realm of public life, Mike, for being genuinely authentic and, and again, at the risk of caricaturing careers. (laughs) Politicians, politics is about managing the story, managing the narrative, 
controlling interpretation, perception, spin. You were able, at least my sense is that you were able to be a, a, a beacon of authenticity in the midst of that, where you could manifest a genuine sense of self and of of presence. Were you conscious of doing that? Was it something that you were aware of in your conversation that you had with the community? Um, look, I mean, there's there's a couple of elements to that. I mean, I um, at, uh, at 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 region, I read this book um, by Martin Buber uh, called I and Thou, mm. and um, it was recommended by Eugene Peterson. It, the most uh, incredible book, uh, and it and it and it. Long story short, and there'll be many academics listen that could put it much better ways than I can. But there's really two ways of relating. There's the I it, and there's the I thou. And most mm. of the world kind of operates in this I it capacity. And you know that is relationships, interactions, everything you do is kind of functional. Mm. Um, it's needed. It's um, transactional. It's not um, what is the I thou. And the I thou is kind of all in. Mm. You know, every, every part, every being, mm. all essence. That moment is the most significant moment, and that mm. person that you're interacting with is is the most significant person in the world. And that uh, has stayed with me all the way. And I and, yeah. and I th- and I think from a from a leadership point of view, that's how I've really tried to um, to live it out. Mm. And, and you know, whether I be meeting with my leadership team or one on one or you know, one of our residents today um, out in our residential facilities, it's the same thing. Nothing else matters. Mm. And um, that kind of presence, mm. which which you alluded to, has hopefully been seen and, and felt. And I was very conscious as Premier. I mean, I, you know, use it, hold it lightly, use it greatly. Mm. And in that I'm not defined by being a Premier. Mm. I'm not, I, that's a role I've got, yeah, and, yeah. and I've got a, I've got a stewardship of that role. Um, but I was conscious that the premier, in, in whatever event I was or going to, and there was, you got invited to how many events? Um, about fifteen thousand events a year. So you got invited to a lot. Um, There's a hundred thousand letters that came in at fifteen thousand events. Um, so you know the ones you got to. You know, that's probably the only time for that organisation celebrating its 80th year or 90th year or the particular volunteer so that, that the Premier was going to be there. Yeah. So I never, I never wanted, never wanted yeah. to be come in, g'day, how are you? I'm going to get on because I've got something else to go to. So how do, how do I stop that relentless yeah. push of the diary? And the most speeches I gave from one day was nine. Um, so it's this relentless push. So how do you and and you know Martin Buber kind of said you know, I would try and be as present as I possibly could, um, and, and then on the on the authentic piece, like I always uh, as as I resolved, and I had time in opposition to think about this before I went in government. But you know what struck me as I kind of observed the political process, and I don't pretend I'm a, a great politician in in any way, shape, or form, um, but. If you watch the political process, uh, your political capital gets spent. Yeah. Now, if you do something or you don't, it eventually yeah. gets spent. So my sense, if I'm going to be attacked, I would want to do it for what I believe in and who I am. Yeah. 
I don't want to pretend that I'm someone else I'm not. You know, like I love surfing and I've been surfing for a long time. I didn't just pick up a surfboard because I thought it would be good as a member for Manly. Yeah. Um, and so trying to be genuine. And who I, um, uh, a guy called Tony uh, Story, who helped me with social media, he, he said that it's pretty clear. Mm. Just be yourself. Yes. I give, I want your voice, what you think, you know, mm. your humour, which, you know, it's been described invariably as. Uh, dad humor intensive, um, as in not funny, but I find it funny. You know? um, so, so just be yourself. And 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 it was the same thing when I when I ran for um, parliament. I, mm. what's the slogan we're going to do? Because I won a pre-selection. I, I you know worked in a few local groups, but across the election, no one would know who this kind of banker that that lived amongst us was. Um, so my sense is, well, we we have to tell them who I am. So mm. I got I got twenty friends. And I said, just give me three words, mm. three words that you think describe me, and then I will try and honour those words. Mm. So it's almost a contract to my community. Mm. This right lip, and um, it was two hours. It was an amazing night, actually. And they they came up with passion, integrity, results, mm. and um, those words. Someone challenged me. Well, you need to put them up somehow in your office. So mm. I got three people that represented those. Um, and I had I- integrity was uh, mm. William Wilberforce, yeah, and uh, all he did. Uh, passion um, uh, was Martin Luther King, and uh, results. Um, you know, this Rodin Cutler was the person I chose because he achieved for community. He was a manly resident. Um, he saved people from sharks. He was a World mm. War hero. Mm. And, public service as a governor. So I've still got those pictures up in my office and still try to, to live those. So trying to be who I am and bring who I am um, in a way that was authentic and real was was, in, was important to me. I, to me, I, I actually think that's a recipe for political success. Be yourself and do what you believe in. I mean, yeah. if you ask me two things, um, yeah. I think you've got a chance of influencing and impacting well beyond trying to be something you're not and, you know, pursuing things you don't believe in. Yeah. To, to be yourself or to be able to communicate yourself on th- authentically, you have, you have to know yourself. <laughs> you, you know, you yeah. know to, to what degree, when, when did you sort of feel that you had a sense of, clear self-identity that these this actually was who Mike Baird is? Well, obviously it's shaped through your parents um, early on. Um, obviously shaped through my faith in, in that decision. Um, but, you know, as, as, as a wrestler, it became clear to me that I wanted to, to, to make an impact for community, state and country, and I wanted to live my faith um, to the fullest I could. And, uh, you know, by the time I was early 20s, I think all of that was in place. Mm. And it was just a matter of kind of applying it and, and living it. So, yeah, I've, I've always um, had a sense of, um, you know, standing up for, for what I believe in and, um, you know, not being afraid of, of hard work to, mm. to try and um, achieve those results. It's an interesting sort of courage, Mike, that you're describing, that, that quiet, calm courage to put yourself out into the world and to to own 
your values, your principles, the things that you hold dear, things that you believe in. Has it taken courage? Yeah, look, it, it, I mean, I think it, I, I think it has at times. Um, you know, when I, the first week in uh, that I was Premier, I think that um, the City Morning Herald did their news review on me and, and their, um, their headline, um, what was the headline again? Um, I, can't, I can't believe I can't remember the headline. Um, what was it called? Um, oh, I'll have to find it. I'll have to find it. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember. There you go. That's a healthy sign. I can't. I can't it must remember. have been flattering, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't flattering. <laughs> um, basically, they were they were um, challenging my faith. So yeah. it was a, uh, you know, hang on, everyone. Yeah. This new person in the chair, just letting you know, they seem to be pretty keen Christian. So. Mm. Draw your own conclusions, but we're nervous, you know, <laughs> reading between the between the lines. Um, and look, you know, the context there. Wow, like you know, okay, do I shut that down? Like, is yeah. that is that something that we we can't talk about or can't do? And you know, my um, head of media, uh, Imre uh, Salazinski, said, "Well, you know, if only you're a member of a cult, that'd be okay." You know, <laughs> no, problem, no problem here that you're a Christian. You know, yeah. you, you want to sacrifice, serve others. You know, you've cut your salary. Whatever have you done because you want to come serve, like, stop it. Just don't do that. Um, so, you know, that um, that was kind of helpful. It was just yeah. like, no, 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 that's, that, that, that's who I am. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I do remember when um, when you're attacked for things of integrity or competence, it does it, it does hit hard. But your identity mm. is, you know, an audience of one, mm. and and I think that that rock and anchor. It didn't matter the hurricane that's happening around you. You know, your your understanding of how much going back to Jeff's words, God loves me. Yes. And that's what matters. Yes. And, and and I think so whether that gives you more courage um, to be strong in your convictions, um, I certainly give, it, it gives you the right perspective, you know, to yeah. be able to perhaps be braver than otherwise you would. Yeah. Uh, because if you're worried about focus groups and polling groups and um, political colleagues, yeah, you, you could go around in circles all days and make no decisions. Yeah, indeed. So you said you've got passion, integrity, results, those photos still up on your wall. In your current role, how are they manifesting? How are they helping you make a difference as CEO of Hammond Care? Well, I mean, every day. I mean, um, you know, the the integrity is deep and, and real here, you know, based on Bob Hammond, what he did, and there's a mission that I've, I've never seen as connected into a group of people as it is here. Um, so, uh, but, you know, there's also ways that we report and, mm. you know, ways we engage with regulators, uh, ways we engage with families. Um, you know, there, there are some tough things and we're not mm. always right. Mm. And, you know, the way you kind of deal with those issues, you know, you, you've got to try and sort of, I think, deal with the most transparency you can, the most integrity you can. 
and take accountability when things are wrong and gone wrong. So, you know, like any organisation, they're challenges that you'll face and Mm. trying to hold those. In terms of passion, well, you know, I've seen the most incredible people and, you know, for me the question is how on earth can I help them spend more time? Yeah. You know, and caring in, you know, better ways. You know, anything I can do that can take an hour out of their admin and give yeah. them an hour with our residents or clients or patients in our hospitals, our palliative care patients, well, that's worth doing. So, yeah. um, and that's contagious here. Like that's you know, across the leadership team, that, that passion and, and results the same thing. I mean, it's, uh, well, and give you an example of the passion in the middle of the pandemic. Um, there was almost 50% of our head office that uh, were out in facilities, sleeves rolled up, cleaning, cooking, you know, while the carers we had were doing the caring they could. Um, they were doing conga lines of mm. PPE, you know, PPE equipment mm. up and down the the, uh, the coast, east coast of Australia trying to get it to our carers. Um, so that passion's there and, real, and results, well, it's the same thing. You know, how do you, how can we, deliver care in new ways, innovative ways? How can we influence and shape the sector? How can we influence government as they're thinking about Royal Commission and responses um, and uh, and looking after those that are living with dementia? I mean, we've got yeah. incredible advocates for that here and uh, every fibre of their being, one of, one of our team um, is, has been here almost 30 years. You know, she's this incredible um, sort of talent and... Every ounce of her mm. is about how can we improve the life of people living with dementia. And, mm. you know, she'll go to government forums, she'll go to public forums, she'll mm. go and encourage carers. Um, so it's not hard to be focused on results when you're dealing with those sort of things. Mm. Mike, I want to thank you for the life that you've expended for the good of the people around you. I thank you for the toll that you've endured and that your family would have endured to offer that service. And I'm very, very thankful that God has placed you in this position right now where you can continue to be the person he's created you to be with that passion, that integrity, and picking up that legacy of of Reverend Hammond to see something and do something about it. I pray he continue to give you strength to do it. Thank you for your time today. Brendan, thank you for the privilege. And um, it's just uh, been great to reflect. And, you know, thank you for your faithfulness and Jay's faithfulness in uh, putting this podcast. And um, yeah, look forward to, to connecting down the track. Next Indeed. Indeed. God bless you. <laughs> thank you, mate.